So Colleen, that sounded like an interesting problem you were describing there. Well, I, it was discussed not that long ago, and I was just shocked that it wasn't unique to me, you mm -hmm. know, but that I basically I hit stage eight, mm -hmm. and it's almost just like somebody flipped a switch. I just lost the, that strong motivation I had to sit. Mm -hmm. That's carried me through the last, you know, four years of sitting like two hours a day. And so I'm really fighting to sort of come back from that to really start putting in some time again, because I feel like I'm at sort of a pivotal point here and I don't feel like I've really lost anything, but I'm not progressing, you know. Do you feel like you might have had some kind of, um, some kind of insight happen? Hmm. I mean, I don't know. I guess maybe, you know, I feel like I get these little tiny insights, sure. but um, I think it was more a case that there was something driving me mm -hmm. and it was driving me towards this goal of being able to sit effortlessly, maybe not consciously, but when I hit that goal, I just sort of went, Oh, you know, that's it. <laughs> so the reason I'm asking this question is because um, it's actually really common for people when they have some degree of insight to experience changes in the way their motivation works. Uh -huh. uh, and so I'm not saying that's necessarily what happened to you, but uh -huh. it might be worth exploring because, you know, my experience was that uh, for whatever reason, this didn't happen to me with respect to meditation, but you know, we all have our different things. Mm -hmm. um, when you, um, when you experience a dropping off of desire or a dropping off of, of uh, aversion, um, then what worked before to get you to do the thing that you know you need to do doesn't work anymore. And moreover, um, you realize that it's dumb. Like you realize, oh, I shouldn't be motivating myself this way. This is causing me pain. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a resistance to that motivation. Okay, um, that makes sense. Yeah, and then... Uh, if you can, if you can figure out a little bit of mental judo to, to like, to motivate yourself based on something else, then often that can, that can break through the resistance. Um, because really the resistance is not to doing the thing. The resistance is to being motivated that way. Do you see what I mean? Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, so that's that one thing that could be sense. happening. The other thing that could yeah. be happening is you might be on the verge of an insight and there's a part of you that really doesn't want it. What? Well, yeah. I do, I do feel some, you know, that there is some, or almost a, a, a physical sort of resistance, oh. you know, just um, a tightening in the chest or something. So that, wow. that yeah. does kind of make sense. Okay, thanks. Cool. But it's, it's just been interesting because it was so easy for me to sit before and now. Yeah. And it's not hard once I do sit down, but it's just so different. I don't know. Yeah. Colleen, quickly, I just ask a question in the chat. I, I was curious, what were the signs that showed you you were, uh, or, you know, indications that you had made the goals to, uh, to enter into stage eight? Oh, well, basically, it, it, it's just um, that uh, it became just very simple, almost automatic to just constantly notice every nuance of the breath in and out. And to the point where it's almost hard to break off from the breath. It's almost easier just to sit there and just have my attention completely on the breath continuously for long periods of time than it is to say, oh, okay, I'm going to quit now. That, I find it almost hard to stop. 
That's yeah, cool. Um, one thing that I know a lot of people have issues with Daniel Ingram, but one thing he said was about practices. Like you, you change your, your type of practice you need over the stages, you know, like uh -huh. first start, you have like your teachers, like your kindergarten teachers, they know everything in the world. And, you know, you just listen to them. But so say like the, I would say at like level eight, what the way he indicates that you're on to like your postgraduate work. So now you're into independent study. So, you know, mm -hmm. the things that you were normally considered practice might be different now. So okay, it just might be a that's different phase. Yeah. Let's throw that on. Okay. Thanks, Steve. I mean, I, I just, I really have just tried to, you know, I mean, my approach has just been to try to force myself to sit again, but, you know, it's not, it's not come naturally like it used to. So. We should probably officially start, not that we haven't already started. Um, welcome to the Saturday morning meditation meetup. Um, I don't think there are any new people here. Um, so uh, I don't really have to give you the long spiel, but just, you know, as usual, if you want to say something and you don't want to have it recorded, let me know and I'll pause the recording. Um, does anybody want to start? Maybe I, I have a question I can start and it's related to I think Colleen was talking about. Uh -huh. So uh, recently my seats, I'm trying to sit uh, two hours a day. Uh -huh. And uh, probably after an hour I got to the point where um, um, I'm thinking how to describe it. Um, the, um, the, the tension is very stable uh, and it seems to me like a, uh, I'm watching uh, uh, the Avernus. I don't know if it, if it makes sense. Uh, usually I start with the whole body, uh, body breathing. Uh, it's around stage seven, stage six, stage seven. And after I achieve uh, quite often recently the excess concentration, I either end up in some first, second jhana or, or in that state where I really watch. And I have not read the stage eight yet, so I'm not sure if it's a, uh, but I noticed that in previous stages that I sometimes uh, discover a technique from the later stage, kind of naturally arrive to it. So I'm wondering that if uh, that is something from the stage eight, <clears throat> uh, where the attention arrives on, and it's, it, it's really like a, I'm observing the awareness and all of the sensations, but it's not going into details. It's a uh, not conceptualized is that I see uh, the different sensations coming and going and it doesn't seem like the attention is in play. I'm not sure if it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, uh, <coughs> so what, what's, I guess, what's the question? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure if that it's, uh, I'm strongly pulled to this uh, kind of uh, um, practice. So it's hard for me to come back to the breath. And, uh, uh, and I, so I don't know if it's something from stage eight, I should probably read it and that maybe clarify some of this for me. Uh, but it just occurred to me this question after this, this, uh, this discussion with Colleen. 
so I'm not sure if this is a practice or if it's uh, valuable or if I should continue with it, but it's, it seems to me that I, I, uh, it's, I, I'm pulled towards it and uh, I'm enjoying it because it becomes very, um, uh, it brings a lot of uh, joy mm-hmm. when I'm doing it for, uh, for some time. Uh, so my question is more like if it's a technique, uh, I should probably read the stage eight and it was <laughs> clarified for me or maybe, I don't know. Uh, if it's uh, something in relation to choiceless awareness, uh, I don't know. Does it make sense? So yeah, yeah. looks like Sam has uh, something to say about this. Yeah, try the meditation on the mind. That sounds a lot like a type of state that you go from for the meditation on the mind. I don't know if you've read that. No, not yet. Not yet. Yeah, I mean, because it's like a, there's a, a awareness and attention. Like your 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 attention gets big enough to where um, there isn't so much of a distinction between attention and awareness anymore. Mm-hmm. That kind of sounds like what you're uh, uh, just inadvertently uh, getting to, without really intending to. Um, okay. So yeah, I would definitely read that. Thank you, thank you. And maybe I have a little uh, follow-up question. Um, I, I noticed that regarding jhanas, when I'm doing jhanas, I in past I will, had a tendency to try to categorize them and, and, and name them, and I was like, okay, this is a first jhana, okay, this is a second jhana, oh, now I'm back in the first jhana. But recently I found it uh, not valuable, maybe even the other way around. So I just rather let the mind uh, do what she wants, what it wants. Um, is that and I was wondering if I should maybe make sure that I am sticking to the technique. So I'm, for example, doing the right thing as the techniques are described in the book, or I just let my mind do what, what it feels like doing. Any direction there? Any ideas? Um, it sounds to me like you're an adept meditator. Um, so you don't really need much direction. Um, like, uh, so the jhana thing, like, uh, you, you should just try letting go. Just try, try letting it do what it do its own thing. Because um, it sounds like you're at least in stage seven, right? Stage seven, stage eight? Yeah, probably stage six, stage seven, I would normally say. But sometimes I uh, arrive, especially during these two hour sits, I arrive to this. Uh, let's say practices and so I was wondering if it's a stage eight but I didn't kind of uh, yet read the book so <laughs> yeah uh, if you're doing the genre just try um, one thing you can like look at is just uh, look at when the flaw of the current genre comes up and wh- like your mind will just notice the flaw eventually mm-hmm. uh, and if you just sort of uh, let your mind go in the direction of jhana. Um, I've had these experiences where you just like let it go and then it, uh, it's almost like your, your mind will just uh, go up the jhanas on its own. Mm-hmm. Because it'll be in the first jhana and then you notice there's this irritation of having to continually, continually pay attention to it to keep it going. And so you notice that flaw and then it automatically 
bumps you up into second jhana and you mm -hmm. notice the flaw of second jhana. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think you could probably do that successfully. And well, I mean, it's like not like you're doing anything, you're just like letting it happen in a way. Mm -hmm. Cool, cool, thank you. Thanks, Sam. Steve, you have your hand up? Uh, yes. Um, you know, this um, in the Finder's course, um, the one uh, section is on pure conscious experience. Yep. And I was wondering, Ted, what do you think of that, that technique that is used there? Is that similar to what uh, we've been talking about uh, today about the uh, open awareness or, or, you know, the way that people have been describing their meditation? Would potentially that be a beneficial practice? So there are, there are at least three practices that I can think of in the finders course that are basically attention oriented or sorry, awareness oriented. One is the group awareness practice. One is the, um, uh, the headless way practice. And the third is PCE. But to me, PCE is actually more attention. Uh, it, it's, it, it's, it's, to me, it feels like PCE is, is explicitly using attention to create um, an experience of dependent arising. Um, so I wouldn't really classify PCE as an awareness practice. I think that when you're in the place that Peter is in, if you're able to do that off the cushion, PCE should be very accessible. But um, so in other words, the, 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 that state of awareness is useful for PCE, but then to actually do the PCE, you actually need to use attention. But it's pretty easy to use attention to do PCE because you're looking at something. So... Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's you know, I've been practicing it this week, actually, a little But And what I've been seeing is where once I uh, fix the attention, uh, so I have stable attention, then I really just focus on the awareness. So say if I'm looking at the bubbling river, so yeah. instead of keeping my attention or, you know, instead of being my awareness is more on, like, say, the, the scenes that are in the objects that are in the frame, but are not the main focus, like say grasses or branches or tree or something that's between me and the, and the bubbling river. So it seems like then it's a good chance to focus on uh, the awareness part, but thanks, appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of practices where you're kind of like getting into a certain state and then you're doing something that just slightly morphs that state. And this, I think the slightly part of it is actually important because it's not a lot of effort. And so you can just keep doing it. And after a while, you're like, oh, and something shifts. But anyway, um, so let's see. Uh, that was Steve. Uh, I believe Carrie's hand was up next. Oh. Carrie, we're not hearing you. Oops. I, I'm, I heard you say oops. <laughs> okay. Is it just volume? Uh, perhaps, yeah. Maybe somebody else should go while I find a... Well, I, I can understand what you're saying now, so if you just want to talk, it's fine. Okay. Is that loud enough? Yeah. Okay. So, I have so many questions. Um that I don't quite know where to start, but I think 
I have a plan of action, which I'm going to kind of run by you and the questions might kind of come out All right. with it. Um, but so I tend to have um, very um, intense um, sensations like PD mm -hmm. while I'm sitting and with an overabundance of energy and I sometimes like have trouble settling it down mm -hmm. and still having um, distractions. There are occasionally moments when I'm probably, when I feel like I, even the subtle distractions might be going away for a bit, but um, it really takes me a very, very, I think I'm experiencing monkey mind, like a stage six monkey mind, a very intense stage six monkey mind is where my mind is just going everywhere mm -hmm. and it's almost painful to try to focus it on the breath. And this is probably things I've all said before. Um, and I've had the most success by just trying to totally completely relax, letting everything through the fire hose regardless. Mm -hmm. And hopefully I can relax enough so that I can actually sense the sensations at my nostrils, which are otherwise completely overwhelmed um, in the midst of the forest of sensations. Um, and I can pretty much do that reliably every sit. Um, and I still have to kind of be careful not to over relax. Um, and, but I still have the problem that it might be craving, but when I do find the sensations, it's hard to maintain. I have to go back to the relaxed thing. So the whole thing, the whole sit is a game of setting up the conditions so that I can do things rather than actually doing anything. It's like, it, it happens by itself if I, if I get myself in the right state of mind. And, yeah. But getting myself in the right state of mind is very hard and accompanies by a lot of mind kind of um, gross distractions, just recognizing how I'm not relaxed and relaxing consciously. And I can feel just a surge of change every time I release something, but it's kind of whack-a-mole, I, I think. Um, Tucker called it that as you relax one thing, then you realize that something else popped up. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, the sits are interesting. Um, sometimes I get a little too intense and a little too uncomfortable. Um, and I'm pretty sure if I just gave up, I would just kind of snap into a type of flow, but without any control over my attention. Mm -hmm. But I do think that it's important for me to develop the skill to be able to actually um, at least 
intentionally direct my intention where I want it to go and maybe have some reliability of it staying there and not having to play such games. And I also think that there's some kind of purifications that I've been avoiding, which might be related to all this tension. Um, and Yeah. Oh, oh, and because I think a lot of my techniques that I'm doing are things I've kind of discovered that seem to be more like stage eight things. Like I think I've been doing a lot of this merging attention and awareness kind of thing as a way of being able to handle the fire hose um, and trying to kind of just take it all in, but maybe pick something out of it or something like that. But it's, so um, I can make a couple of observations. Okay. One is um, it does sound like uh, you're trying to control the process mm -hmm. and you can't. Yep. <laughs> um, and so as long as you continue trying to control the process, you are going to have problems. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason that you're trying to continue to c control the process is because it is out of control. And when you stop trying to control it, it feels like it's not going as well, or it feels like it's not doing the right thing. And you kind of need to let go of that idea because um, what you described earlier, where uh, when you let go, it feels like, um, I can't remember exactly how you put Tap it. into flow. Well, not that actually, okay. although, although that's, that's a pretty important clue, right? Yeah. But, um, but no, when you're actually like trying to follow the breath mm -hmm. and you let go, it seems to go well, but it's really hard to let go. The reason mm -hmm. it's maybe hard to let go is because there's still this idea that, that, that you're somehow going to control it. And so if you let go, sometimes it goes well and other times it goes off the rails and mm -hmm. And so you don't want to let go because it might go off the rails, but actually you have to let it go off the rails. And then yep. once it's gone off the rails, then notice that it's gone off the rails and come back. That's, yep. you, you, that's the, that's the process that you need to start um, really internalizing because yep. um, if you, uh, if you don't let yourself, if you don't let yourself uh, release that control, then you're always going to be in the situation where there's this like constant feedback mm -hmm. loop going on and yeah. it's going to be really intense and there's going to be a lot of noise and a lot of struggle and yeah. you're going to have all kinds of fun experiences, but just what you described. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so uh, I would really focus on, I shouldn't say focus on, but <laughs> I would, I would, um, I would encourage you to uh to explore the letting go and, and you what will happen is when you start letting go you'll find that you encounter a lot of new problems and so it's going to feel like oh i've wrecked my meditation uh, you know because i used to have this meditation that was really interesting and was going in this fun direction and now yeah. it's not going in that direction anymore because i've relaxed and so you may find for example that you have to find a different way of dealing with uh gross and subtle dullness uh, you may find yeah. that you have to find a different way of dealing with distractions. Uh, when you talk about, like, you have distractions where you're, like, having this judgment about your meditation. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, you need to figure out how to deal with those distractions because, you know, you're going to have judgments about your meditation, especially if yeah. you if you let go of something that felt like it was keeping your meditation in control. So um, so part yeah. of your job is going to be like like noticing the judgments come up and allowing them to come up and, and allowing them to go in, in their own time and not trying to control them. Well, I think that those, the ones that I'm conscious of, that is, are I'm fine with because I can watch them and laugh at them. Mm -hmm. It's the ones that I'm unconscious of that are the problem. I so, think. so when you say you're unconscious of them, do you mean that they don't actually wind up in attention? They're just sort of in the background. Meaning I'm just assuming they're there. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So, so that would be an example of um, a thought that's an awareness and not an attention. And if it's an awareness and not an attention, it's not a problem. Stop worrying about it. Okay. Right? Now, like at some point it might come into attention and you might have to deal with it, but that's not happening right now. So don't worry yeah. about it. Yeah. You certainly shouldn't go investigate it because like it's actually good that it's not coming into attention. Yeah. So I might be able to figure this one out as I articulate it, but um, I guess, so I let go completely. And then at some point I say, okay, I'm going to have to make the intention to pay attention to my breath because that can't, that doesn't continue unless I reinforce it. Um, unless so, so rather than thinking about it that way, what I would suggest you think about is setting the intention, letting go, and then mm -hmm. just noticing what happens. When it goes off. When it goes, well, no. I mean, like, so, so okay. don't, don't get into this mindset that you're going to be, like, continuously in control of the process, right? Okay. Just set the intention, let yeah. go, and then at some point you will, you, will have a, you will have a realization that something is off that it's not going the way you wanted it to. Don't try to do anything before that realization. Wait until that realization comes and then do yes. something because at that point you're there. And at that point you can reset yeah. the intention. And that's what you want to do because what you're trying to do is not have continuous attention on the breath. What you're mm -hmm. trying to do is train your mind to have continuous attention on the breath. And, right. um, and so, so no, no amount of having continuous attention on the breath is going to help you need to have those little realizations and yeah. then adjust. And if you're not having the right realization, then part of the process is going to be identifying what, what it is that you need to notice and intending yeah. to notice that. And yeah. then, so, so you should be doing kind of those two things, right? Intending, yeah. intending to have your intention on the breath is like the first order piece of, of intention. But the second order piece of intention is I know what happens when I do this. I've observed it enough that I know what's going to happen when I let go. And, the, and I think I understand how that's happening. So let's see if I can notice it happening quickly. And, mm -hmm. and if you can, you can. And if you can't, you can't. But, but just set that intention. And then when you notice, that's when you adjust. And over time, what should happen is that you get better at that. It's like when you're throwing darts, right? At first, you throw mm -hmm. the darts and maybe occasionally you hit the dartboard and it bounces off. Yeah. But eventually you start, they start sticking into the dartboard and later they actually might start hitting the bullseye a lot. Yeah. So, so it's a successive approximation. It's not, it's not like 
you know, mm-hmm. I am going to guide the dart all the way over to the dartboard and get it to hit the bullseye. Yeah. Right. Yeah, actually that one thing that I'd kind of discovered was that I have to kind of, if I do realize I'm off, to bring myself back, but to immediately let go too. Yep, exactly. Again. Um, yep. And and it's and it but it's hard to kind of keep shifting <laughs> yeah no it's, it's, this is, is this is not easy i still conscious yeah yeah i I've, I've struggled with the same thing where i'll be sitting yeah. there and I'll, I'll realize that like wow you know when i let go my meditation gets really awesome and mm-hmm. i should let go yep and then and then i don't and it's like you just you know yeah. that's part of the that's part of your intention loop like like yep. when you notice that you're not letting go you need to let go and and I should probably okay <laughs> sorry. Okay, if I have another question, I'll, I'll come back with it. All right. Gilbert, did you want to weigh in on this? Yeah. Or? Sure, yeah. Um, so the, the biggest thing, I think, is uh, the attention, right? I think the attention stuff is really messing you up because, mm-hmm. you know, you have an intention and ideas. Well, you have ideas about how... Uh, the meditation is supposed to go and even sort of the following the breath at the nostrils is supposed to go and like my it's supposed to feel like this with my uh, sort of attention on the nostrils and then there'll be some awareness of the body and uh, it's very fixed right and um, it's getting in your way (laughs) it's it's getting in your way Um, and then you also said like oh yeah I merged attention and awareness and actually no that's I mean it's not really what you did like it's not something you did and like oh yeah that's that messed it up it's more actually attention's a subset of awareness and actually the Mm -hmm. whole yeah the 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 attention uh experience is Mm pre-bugged and (laughs) a lot of meditation actually is kind of unbugging that attention sort of experience um and so, I mean, I think I, I very much agree with uh, what Ted's saying about kind of letting go. Um, and I would say the pointer I would say kind of to be more helpful is just, I think, taking, uh, yeah, a backward, uh, like a step back, take a step back and be aware of the breath wherever the breath is and however the breath sort of goes but don't hold on to that the think oh the breath must be the sensations that i'm used to experiencing at the nostrils and all of that mm-hmm. stuff that's you know all, there's there's so much of stuff that's sort of embedded in that yeah um and you kind of really do have to relax that and then yeah. um the, the big thing actually is to know what's going on in your experience moment to moment. Yeah. That that's... is so much more important than, um, you know, anything else you might think you're doing or, or trying to do or, um, but to just to know what's going on. 
and also as you're doing knowing what's going on you know i mean it's great if you're actually like really increasing the power of, of awareness you're also sort of sharpening it up um so there's more sort of sensory clarity you're also um you know you're just really trying to discover what's there you know mm -hmm. i mean if there are tensions and stuff be, being aware of the tensions and not adding to the tensions right and yeah so yeah, yeah. I guess I've been concerned that I've been spending too much of my bandwidth on just watching the show. And not Yeah, and, and watching how I react to things and watching how what I try to do works or doesn't work or things like that. Um, or... Maybe you should investigate what? the watcher. And, or, or the why, like why, why, do you, why is even that a problem? What... Well, because when I do that, I end up into something like choiceless attention and have not yet been able to get stable attention on any single thing. Like it's only stable if I let it go where it wants. Well, it's kind of like, what's an intention? Um, mm -hmm. So you so you start, you're kind of really you're you're bumping up against yeah. um, who are you? Yeah, yeah, it's that gets weird. Yeah, it is weird. <laughs> yeah, um, but see, so the thing is, like I said, you're you're saying I'm not getting that stable like attention that's stable like almost like there's a fixed thing right there's a fixed thing inside of me that's like controlling things and like mm -hmm. I'll, I'll have this you know this one intention and i'll have it and then that they'll that attention will be completed and mastered and so then the breath and whatever will do what i want it to do it'll stay doing with that and then as i'm doing as that's happening i will control everything else that's not me yeah, <laughs> I will control everything else that's not me, um, and so and then the the breath will do what I think it should do. And there's yeah, it's well, very bugged. Yeah, so I have had experience where for some reason my breath just decided, my attention just decided that it did want to stay on the breath. And yeah, it's not to say that flow doesn't exist or flow is not you know, yeah. but. Um, and to go ahead, I'll let you finish. Yeah. Well, and because I didn't make it happen, mm -hmm. I'm going to talk through this because I think I just figured it out. Um, because I didn't make it happen, I kind of assumed that it happened based on the circumstances. And my my problem is that. Um, I'm trying to control those circumstances, which is just as much building the energy as trying to control the breath. Cause I 
have been very minimal about trying to control the breath, but been still noticing anytime I try to control anything, but don't know how to do it without controlling anything. <laughs> okay. I think that got me someplace. <laughs> and that's the challenge of life. I mean, what you're talking about, that's the challenge yeah. of life, right? Things mm -hmm. are constantly changing moment to moment to moment. Yeah. And, you know, it's, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there's a great mystery in all of this, right? There is a place where your intentions sort of arise, but, mm -hmm. and, and you are, and then a lot of what we're trying to do is work with intentions to so work yep. with wholesome intentions, but it's not, there's no yeah. control. There's not. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. But there has to be, there's something because it's well, not going to just happen any old day. <laughs> not yet. I mean, I noticed you said, you said something, right? And that's, again, we, we want to narrow things down to, to something. Yeah. And I mean, yes, there is something, but it's not a thing. Right. And it, it's, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I'm still caught anyway. between the two perspectives. It gets confusing. They don't really talk to each other. Okay. Well, you, you, you don't really figure it out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so I think uh, Luis is next. Hi. Uh, so I have uh, you know, several questions. So one of them is that I asked you guys last week, as you guys, as some of you know, I, I started with TMI three or four weeks ago. I had a previous practice. And uh, so I asked you about like currents or wave-like feelings of pleasure and, and, and identified as pity by everyone, I think. So, so now I have a couple of things that I keep feeling that I think it's getting slightly more intense and longer in duration, I think, but I'm not sure. Uh, so I have a couple of questions about this. Number one, I think last week, several of you guys mentioned that I should try and, and see if, I, if I'm falling into some kind of stable dullness or any different kinds of dullness. And so I've been paying attention to that. I don't think I am. I mean, I think I, I, sometimes I do fall into some kind of dullness, but I think metacognitive awareness sort of kicks in, I think. So I, I think this sort of like push and pull of, of dullness and distraction, I think it's something I, I'm, I'm getting. Uh, but so one, one sort of like meta question, is pity compatible with dullness? I have more questions, but that should be a simple one, I guess. Uh, so can yeah. I experience like strong pity and, and the mind be dull? Yep. So that's one question. So, and then second one, I don't, I'm pretty confident I haven't experienced jhana. I've read about it many times, but since I think I haven't experienced, I'm pretty sure I haven't experienced it. But another connection then, uh, another question with regard to relating to pity is, is there a connection between these two things? Because sometimes I read about jhana and pleasurable sensations in jhana and what have you, and it sort of like reminds me of some sensations that I have that I associate with pity. And so, so again, so again, first question with regard to pity, relationship between pity and dullness, can both of those be together and relationship between pity and jhana? The second question, and this is my, my, my last question, has to do with the sitting. So I'm starting to sit for longer and longer periods of time. It's just happening naturally. Uh, and so, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was at like 30 minutes. Now I'm like an hour 15, an hour 30. 
in my morning sit. And so, and it feels pretty good. It's not, I'm not really, I'm not, I, I'm in no rush to end the sit. Uh, actually, it, I end up ending the sit probably just because I do have life, you know, there's life and, uh, and sometimes there may be like pain in the, in the knees or stuff like that. But, but it's, uh, it's, it's actually not, not too difficult to get to that point. But the question with regard to that is, is it helpful to extend the practice in this way? Like, do I really get something out of the one hour 20 as opposed to 45? Uh, so, so, I, so in order to give you guys some background, uh, you know, I, I feel that during the first 20, 30 minutes, my attention still sort of like stabilizing. Uh, and, and, you know, I feel distractions. I think I get caught up in gross distractions every once in a while. And, and, and eventually after I think that 20, 30 minute point, things start to stabilize, quiet down a little bit, distractions start to get weaker, more subtle. And then towards the end, I, I feel that distractions get really weak. And, uh, and, and I also feel like, for example, with thoughts, I feel I can start identifying thoughts, if this makes any sense, before I think them. Uh, in the sense that I feel like pre-thought activity, but I can't really identify the content of the thought, if that makes any sense. Maybe I'm just making yeah. that up. So towards the end, I start, I start getting to that sort of granular level of identifying distractions and what have you. So that's what's led me to think that it is worth you know, extending the sit. But uh, I just wanted to get your guys' feedback as to whether I, I could be getting the same thing out of 45 minutes or an hour and a half. Uh, so anyway, so those are the two questions I have one right now. Again, I, I, I teach, so I'm going to summarize, <laughs> you know, pity, relationship yeah. between dullness, relationship between that and jhana. And the second one, my longer sits, I feel that it takes some time to stabilize attention after I do I, I, I feel that I can be, uh, I can be with the breath more and, and distractions seem to get weaker and more subtle towards the point where I start identifying thoughts before they happen. But I'm, I'm, again, I'm not sure whether I should be extending my sits like this or I could get the same with less. Okay, I'll stop there. So uh, first question that I would ask you is you said that you don't think you have stable, subtle dullness. What makes you think that you don't have stable, subtle dullness? Okay, uh, so that came up last week. Uh, I, I, I think so. I I think I'm able to identify when I start when when I start getting dull. So I I I I see. I I think I start noticing the perceptions of the breath getting like less clear and 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 vivid. I think even awareness starts getting a little bit tamer like I can't really identify it and I think you Ted suggested like meditating a place where there's some like bird song or like some sounds that yep. and that's helpful because that that was able to I can then take into account like how is my awareness is it is it okay is it so so I've been doing that and I have noticed at some moments in time oh you know it, it I do feel a little bit dull like I start slumping involuntarily I start seeing and then I sort of like and I notice before it gets really bad you know before I, I get I'm getting sleepy or something and I sort of like you know and I correct and I've also tried to pay attention to startling noises which is something mentioned in in in, in TMI you know and and I have noticed sometimes when the, when I do get startled but I've noticed that on many occasions there are noises that I think would startle me normally but they're just there in the background and they're processed and I keep going. Uh, and also finally, I've noticed moments, I have noticed moments when I'm really tired 
or where I'm not in the mood, you know, where where I do notice this sort of like sinking, this sort of, and I, I, and I have identified, I've tried, maybe I'm wrong, I, I have identified that's dullness and that's definitely not what I typically feel. You know, it's, 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 so I don't know. I don't know if that, yeah. if that makes sense, but okay. that's what. Yeah, so the, the reason I'm asking these questions is because I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, uh, some, some observ- observations about what you're describing. First of all, it's not unusual to have uh, the experience that you're describing where the meditation feels like fairly energetic at the beginning. And then at some point, usually about 40 minutes in might be 30 minutes, but usually it's around the 40 minute mark. Um, things tend to stabilize, things get quiet. Um, it can be very nice, very comfortable, very, you know, you feel like you've gotten somewhere you have like some, you know, the things you were talking about, like sort of, sort of re- recognizing that thoughts are coming up before you actually experience them in attention. So what's going on there is that the thought is an awareness. You know there's a thought, but you don't know what the thought is because you haven't turned your attention to it. Mm-hmm. All of these things are fairly um, typical when you're able to get into that state after, after a certain period of time. And that's not a bad thing. Like it's not bad to be in that state, but that is almost certainly stable, stable subtle dullness. Um, and I say that, so you mentioned uh, the test that you use for, for dullness um, and, or for subtle dullness. Those tests are good for noticing when you have enough dullness that it's sort of a stage four problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not going to be good enough to notice when you have enough dullness that it's a stage five problem. So, so in stage five, so in stage four, uh, and, and actually just in our daily lives, typically we're in a state of dullness most of the time. Uh, it varies in, in terms of how much dullness, but usually we're in a state of dullness. The dullness might be like 30% aware. It might be 70% aware, but that means that it's 70% dull or 30% dull. And that's actually fairly dull. But when you're 30% dull, it feels actually pretty energetic. Like, like you don't feel sleepy. You don't feel like you're, you don't feel dull. So just being able, just, just noticing that you don't feel dull isn't enough. And indeed, um, noticing that you're able to experience sensations of the breath uh, and noticing that you're able to experience sensations uh, like birds chirping or something like that. Again, that's not enough to tell that you're not dull um, because in stage five, you're trying to really get, you're trying to go from like 30% dull to, you know, 25% dull and then from 25% dull to 20% dull. And eventually you're trying to get to where you're down in the one percents and you're really like trying to get rid of the last bit of dullness and you're never going to succeed in getting, getting rid of every last bit of dullness, but that's, that's kind of the process. And so when you're doing stage five, um, what you want to be doing is, is comparing and contrasting. So sit, put your attention on the breath, notice how the breath feels, notice what amount of detail you're getting from the breath. Okay. Now go and do a body scan. Uh, One of two things will happen. The body scan either will be problematic and won't actually work, although it might still be worth doing, or it will actually work. Like you'll do the body scan, you'll, you'll, it will increase your, it will decrease your dullness. Um, so, so when you do the body, so, so you, you, you check out the breath, do the body scan, and then check out the breath again and, and try and compare. What was it like before? What's it like now? Is it the same? Is it different? Um, if you've done a really good job of getting rid of, of stable, subtle dullness, then, um, then doing the body scan won't really change your experience of the breath very much. But, um, but if you've done a really good job with the body scan, you will probably have a lot of uh, awareness of what's happening in the body after you've done the body scan. 
And if that's not happening, like you, you, you might feel energy in the body, you might feel sensations on the surface of the skin. They'll be, if your attention is on the breath, they'll be in awareness. They won't be in attention, but they'll be there. And if you're not having those experiences, then that probably means that you haven't actually gotten past stable, subtle dullness. So I would suggest investigating that. The other thing is um, that period. So, so your meditation goes from, you know, you start and there's a period where you're struggling with various stage four obstacles. And then at some point you're not struggling with the stage four obstacles. Um, that means that you're, you're at the beginning of stage five, which is good. Um, but another thing to think about is like the struggling with the stage four obstacles took a while. Um, and it's important not to think that your goal is to just get through that struggle to the point where you're at the beginning of stage five, because what you really want at some point is to land in stage five shortly after you sit on the cushion, not 45, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes later. So, um, so it's, it's quite fruitful to spend time at the beginning of the meditation, really working with whatever is coming up and, and treating that as your practice and making that like, like a real, a real point of diligence to work on uh, rather than just thinking of it as something to get through to the point where you get to stable, subtle dullness, and then you can work on stable, subtle dullness. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage you to, to, to explore that. And, and what that kind of implies is that uh, doing a 30 minute sit is going to be good because if you do a 30 minute sit, you're not even going to be imagining what's going to be happening after 30 minutes because you know, you're only doing 30 minutes. So uh, so you're going to work on the stuff that you know is going to come up in 30 minutes, and that's good. On the other hand, doing an hour and 15 minutes sit is also good because you'll get to stable, subtle dullness, so you'll get to work on that stuff, and that's good. It's, it's not bad to get to work on these things. Um, one thing I, I do suggest, and I don't know if everybody here would agree with me on this, uh, but this is, this is just my personal observation, is that it's really good to actually have a time when you're going to stop and not just stop when you feel like it. Um, and the reason for that is that uh, if you just stop when you feel like it, then there's going to be a part of your mind that's in charge of figuring out when to stop. And you don't want that. There's a couple of reasons why you don't want that. One is because it's going to be a distraction. It's not a big distraction because you're kind of just letting it happen spontaneously, but still it's kind of a distraction. There's, there's going to be a little bit of decision fatigue happening. The other though is that suppose you get to the point where you're on the verge of some kind of insight. It's not at all uncommon for, uh, for the mind to be like, oh, I don't really want this insight. It's not at all common for the mind to, to, to think, oh, I don't really want this insight. And then if you're in the habit of deciding when to get up, then the mind is going to use that as an excuse to get up right now. Right? So you're going you're gonna to be sitting there. You're going to be having a really fruitful meditation. And then there's going to be a feeling of like, ah, I'm done. And actually, that feeling is a lie. You're not done. If you kept sitting, you might have an insight, but because you didn't keep sitting, you didn't have the insight. So that's why it's kind of good to, to use a meditation timer because then it's, it's not a decision anymore. I'm just gonna sit until the meditation timer goes off. Whenever that is, I made a decision at the beginning of the meditation how long that was gonna be. That's how long I'm sitting. I'm not gonna get up until that happens. And then, uh, then you just don't have that habit pattern operating anymore. So. Yeah, thanks. Uh, that's 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 really helpful. Uh, one one last thing, and uh, so 
I, I, I've also, towards the end of the sitting, I'm sort of like, I, I, I think I identified after we, we, we chatted, we all chatted last week, that I was over-efforting, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so I, I started reading, I, I saw your piece, Ted, on like the intent, note, you know, intent release notice loop. Is that the order? Uh, yep. And uh, so I'm pretty confident I was totally over-efforting. And, uh, and then now I'm trying to relax a little bit, just set, set a strong intention and, you know, let things happen, you know, and, yep. and then come back as you just, you know, told Carrie, come back when I notice. And, and, uh, and, and be okay with that. You know, I do the best I can and, you know, that'll be enough. Uh, and, uh, but, but I guess I, I still, is, are there like pointers that can help me figure out if I'm over-efforting or now I'm a little bit worried that I'm relaxing too much. So <laughs> during, especially I, I try, I don't know why I'm doing this and you guys may tell me if, if this is a bad, uh, a bad practice, but towards the end of my sitting, I sort of like, try and let go in the most like let go kind of way like you know i'm just gonna let things happen and if i'm like thinking i'll think you know if i'm and funnily i think this is a very widespread experience i actually my attention stays with the breath sort of like without me really telling it to stay with the breath and it seems to stay with the breath as well or better than before i decided i'm just gonna fully let go uh so anyway so i asked this in the context of should i keep doing that one and number two like does this tell me anything about over effort versus relaxing too much i guess yeah it, it so it tells it, it one thing that it tells you is that at least at the end of the meditation you have enough stability that you can let go and that's it's 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 you know if if at any time you feel like you have enough stability that you can let go it's not a bad thing to just try it and see what happens. There's only one of two things will happen. Either your attention will stay on the breath or it won't. And if it doesn't, then you learn something. And if it does, then you learn something. So it's, it's a good, it's always good to experiment. Um, but, uh, the one thing that I would, uh, suggest, so you might try doing that at the beginning of the meditation Mm -hmm. and see what happens at the beginning of the meditation. Probably what happens will be different, Mm -hmm. but that's okay because that will reveal to you what it is that you need to start doing the intend release notice loop on. So if you sit down and you're just like, okay, let's see what happens. I, I'm going to have my, I want to have my attention on the breath. Let's see what happens. And you find yourself, you know, off in gross distraction. Well, that's what you need to work on right then. So, so now you know what your task is for the next five or 10 minutes. You're going to work on gross distraction. Well, what does that mean? It means you're going to intend to notify, to notice. I keep doing that. I'm a computer programmer, so notify is a very... <laughs> anyway, so I'm going to intend to notice um, subtle distractions before they become gross distractions. And then you just let go. And you see if you notice a subtle distraction or if you notice a gross distraction. And if you notice a gross distraction, then the observation would be, oh, the intention didn't work. Isn't that interesting? Let's try again. And the thing about repeating it over and over again, it's the same intention, right? You're just trying to notice subtle distractions before they become gross distractions. The the nice thing about repeating that intention over and over again is that it, in this way, not like just sitting there and being like, I'm going to notice subtle distractions, you know, like continuously, but just like every time you notice that you hit a gross distraction, intend to notice a subtle distraction is that over time, 
what will happen is that you'll start to notice the subtle distraction. And then you won't get to the gross distraction. And now the problem that's happening in your meditation will be a different problem. And now you'll have to reevaluate what is it that I need to look for next. Um, and so that it's, it's just a training process. It's like, it's really is like Chula Das's metaphor of the dartboard is perfect. It's like, you're just trying to throw darts and see what happens. And, and you know, Oh, well the darts going too low. All right. I better, I better adjust a little higher. Oh wow. The darts going a little too high. I better adjust. A, you know, it's you eventually you figure out, Oh, I need to do this. And you might you notice the subtle movement of your hand. Oh, I, I, I need to not twist in this particular way because that's causing the thing to, to spin a little bit and bounce off the dartboard. So that's the whole process, really. Um, so there, there's never really a time like, like you know, when you do the, 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 the various things like close following, you're just doing those until something happens that's not close following and you notice it. Usually something will happen that's not close following you won't notice it. And then at some point you will notice it. And it's that moment when you notice, Oh, wow, I was, I was doing close following and now I'm not, that's what you're trying to get to. So. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Really sure. Helped. Yeah. All right. Uh, Christoph. Hey, um, nice. so I've, um, where should I start? Um, I've been on a retreat one month ago with Taka and Upali. And um, I had a very, uh, yeah, it was a very intense experience. Like um, um, during the retreat, I noticed that my attention was, was much, much worse than like my, my, my stable attention was much, much worse than it had been the weeks up like before the retreat. Um, I think uh, I, I, I was in stage six and during the retreat, I was mostly like, um, um, doing stage three practice um, during one uh, talk in the evening Taka said that um, when you notice that there's like a brick wall somewhere in stage four or five territory that might be because of unleft purification like remaining purification that hasn't happened yet and he advised to to do um, some sort of uh, body scanning practice, like to, to focus on the, on the belly part of the body and try to look for um, uh, sensations that could be related to emotions. So I did that. <laughs> and after a certain time, I, um, I discovered like this huge knot in my stomach, like this huge tension, which almost feels like it's, about to burst open and yeah i sort of like realized that, that that was the same tension that i've always been trying to avoid basically by living my whole life like i'm a very obsessive kind of person and, and all those those obsessive um tendencies were sort of like there to for to not for not having to feel that tension so that was a very very uh, good insight i think um however since then whenever i sit down to meditate like this tension appears like it, it really feels like some some purification like it feels like it really wants to be noticed like i i, I as soon as i start as my attention starts stabilizing on the breath like this attack this tension starts um uh, appearing in awareness and um yeah, I've 
just been sitting with it for the last month, but there's not really anything happening. Like, um, I've tried to just sort of like ignore it, to, to just leave it in awareness as, as long as I can. When I do that, it becomes more and more intense up, up until, up to the point where it almost like, it really starts hurting. Like it really feels like there's, I don't know, like my, my stomach is about to, to burst open or something. Um, yeah, when I then switch my attention to it, like it doesn't really do anything. Like it, it, it pulse, of course, it, it, it changes the whole time. It pulsates, it, uh, there's a lot of dancing of sensations around, but the, the, the general pattern of the sensation doesn't really change. What I have noticed, though, is that I get this, when, when I focus on it, I get these hints of emotions that are coming up. Like, I, I, for example, I feel that there are, like, uh, tears coming up in my eyes or there's, like, some sort of anger, but it's not really intense. Like, it's, it's, it's just a, a hint of it. And, yeah, I was wondering if any one of you had any tips on how I could, yeah, get behind this if there's anything I can like the process could do to to, to work more efficiently or something like that Gilbert's got a big smile so I think we're gonna let him talk first um, it's, it's so yes you're 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 working well with it uh, I mean I think one of your roadblocks in some sense is your desire to try to, to work more efficiently with it yeah, which is a very uh, obsessive thing, by the way. <laughs> it's a purification. So, you know, it's, it's classic purification, right? I mean, and but one your idea of purification, I think, is maybe a little too, like, um, simplistic. But, but yeah, like, it's clearly if you try to ignore it, again, it becomes more and more distracting, more painful. So, yeah, you focus on it. And just be aware of the, the, the changes in it, right? And that's all you really need to do. Just... Um, be aware of the change in it, let it be. It's already coming up, right? You got the let it come part in some sense, right? So now it's kind of just, you know, relaxing around the letting it be. Um, and this is not, don't do this to, you know, with the intention of trying to make it go away. I mean, that there's, um, because of your conditioning, there's going to be that desire like, oh yeah, this is kind of unpleasant, uncomfortable, I don't like it. So, I mean, <laughs> I really don't wish it's there. Um, but just work with that as much as possible to just like allow it, right? Let it do what it's need to do. And actually, and as it's already revealing itself in different ways and just kind of notice it, like, just, you know, um, be with it, right? And allow this process to happen. And it, there's a way that it kind of unwinds and unwinds and um, will release its energy just by allowing it to, 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 to morph and change. Okay. That's interesting. So, yeah, another thing I didn't say is like, I have this, like when I sit down, like my, my stomach doesn't stop making noises. Like, it's like, <laughs> that's, that's good. All the time, all the time. No, that's, it's, that's very uh, good. Okay. That's funny. Because in part, well, I mean, one, one, one expl explanation for that is when you are relaxed, actually that allows, that's when actually the digestive sort of, uh, you know, natural digestive stuff happens. When you're too stressed out and tense, your, you know, your body-mind system will stop. It'll just, it'll stop any type of that digestive stuff. And so that's 
the truth. And but one hypothesis is if um, you know we do have seem to have so much stored, you know, I'll say trauma, right? But stuff that we weren't able to deal with in the past, um, and you know, it just seems to be stored where I don't know. But when it is sort of comes up, you know, and you just allowing it to be, you will start, you know, tend to. It's very common. Um, all sorts of sort of like digestive processing. Sometimes people, you know, kind of get the runs or, you know, all sorts of, you know, kind of digestive stuff's going on. But that's, that's good. That's kind of just part of, um, you know, some, pur some purifications. Okay. Thank you. Um, one last thing, like I've, I've, I've noticed one, something very, like very interesting. Like when I, when I, normally sit down and meditate my breath is at the moment my breath is like my concentration is is short at the moment like I, i'm in stage two or three or something like that sure um, yeah. that makes sense with the purification yeah but the, uh, the work is the work right now is not like the breath it's the purification that the work is being with that okay um, okay okay yeah another thing i've noticed which is really interesting is that when i'm on the breath i usually breathe very pretty intensely like my breath doesn't get shallow like it used to, etc. Like it, it it stays very, very normal, like in, in a in a everyday kind of way. Um, but when I focus on this stuff, my breath gets very shallow in in like a in in a matter of seconds. Like and and I it also was also really interesting is that I don't seem. It feels like my attention is like drawn like a magnet drawn to this feeling it's like when i focus on it i i don't have distractions it's like it, it, it just glues itself on it which is also really interesting like yep. yeah I'll, I'll try the things that you suggested um i'm really glad for your help thank you well more just like i mean keep doing what you're doing but like the don't make problems out of i mean yeah right now the work is being with the purification right that all the stuff um and keep being with that um there will be things like you tendencies like oh my god like i you know i don't want to deal with this anymore let me focus on something else and um but the work right now is clearly you know just being aware of that you know not in the stomach area right and all that stuff mm -hmm. Yeah, what what I'm what I guess I'm worried about is that, um, like I feel like this this like these tears coming up like there's never a release like they always like they come up like I feel like it's ninety percent complete and then they go back down. <laughs> it's like and there's like this craving for it to to be like released, you know. And that's I think that that might be one of my problems as well. Like so uh, doubt. Yeah, I, I would. That, I would. Yeah. I would suggest. Well, so, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I would suggest that 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 um, like think of this as like an experience that you're a fascinating experience they're having. Like you're you're encountering something about yourself that you didn't know before. Like there's something in there, and, and the more that you can just be like fascinated by it, like what is this? Like what is going on here? Like, like don't feel like you have to, like maybe the tears will come, maybe they won't. It doesn't matter. What's interesting is there's something, there's some really cool thing that's happening here. And mm -hmm. you're, you're, you, have, you have reached this point where you're able to explore something that you didn't have access to before. 
you're you're entering uncharted territory and isn't that fascinating yeah um, yes <laughs> yeah and then just uh, a couple of things don't expect that you're ever going to know what this was you might or you might not you, you it'll when it breaks open you may see something inside of the egg or you may not, or it may not actually break open. One of the other things that can happen is that it just kind of so slowly softens and sort of melts into the rest of you. Mm -hmm. And it just stops, it, it hasn't gone away. It's just stopped being a focus of, it stopped being a knot. Like you kind of untied the knot, but the stuff that the knot was made of is still there. Mm -hmm. and, and that's a good outcome. So, so you don't, don't, think that you are going to know what the outcome is going to be because it's always a mystery. Like I, I, I have these things, I run into these things every so often I find one. It's sort of like, Oh, I found the mother load. And, <laughs> and like, Ooh, let's see what's in here. Um, and, and after a while you just kind of get excited about this stuff because it's like every time I find one of these and get the opportunity to, to sort of pick it apart, um, you know, something shifts, something in my experience shifts and it's, it's, I never know what it's going to be and it's never, it always seems to be, you know, a shift in the direction of like things are, I don't know, better is the right word, but, but you know, more like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, something changes. And, and it's, so, so it's good. It's good that it's happening and just in, in, enjoy that process because that's really what it is. It's just a process of, 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 uh, you know, of, of untying a knot and. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what I've been worried about is that the knot is quite, it's quite tense. Like I, I, I've, I've sat with it for a month now and yeah, I, I sometimes get a little tear or something, but. Um, yeah, no, but don't just like, it could be that it'll take you another six months. Like okay. seriously, I've, I've, I know somebody who went through a purification that literally took her six months to get through. <laughs> And the whole time she was like struggling with it and like, why, why me? Why? I think that might've been part of why it took six months, honestly, but, but whatever the reason, when she came out the other end of it, it was really fascinating. I, I, I remember her before and I, I know her now. And before she, she was kind of like, you know, she seemed like she was kind of this slightly sad person who, you know, I could see that she was going in a good direction, but I didn't know where it was going to be. And then afterwards she was like this goddess. I don't mean like physically, I just mean she just was glowing with like this beautiful internal energy. And, and I'm not saying that that's precisely what's going to happen to you. You probably won't turn into a goddess, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, this is, this is the process that we're doing, right? We're, we're trying to move in the direction of more freedom and that's uh -huh. what you're doing. So, so it's worth it and it might take a while, but that's okay. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you very much guys for your helpful sure. feedback. Okay, uh, so Lewis, you're next. And you're muted. Okay, um, so I'm also going uh, through purification right now. And uh, my attention has also gotten really, really bad. So I tried uh, two things. Uh, like for one, I expanded my attention to uh, like stage three from the four step process. So trying to keep my whole body in attention. And I've tried focusing on the uh, sensations and emotions I'm feeling. And I'm not sure exactly what I'm supposed to do when I keep my whole body in attention. It's easier to keep stable attention, but I always tell myself, ah, you should start uh, focusing on the breath again. And then attention gets worse. 
And yeah, I'm not sure if I'm even supposed to put a lot of attention on the sensation. So uh, one thing to, to, to say is that the way that Christoph des described his practice is actually a great description of how to do it. So, uh, you know, basically, if, if, it's, if you can, just, just keep focusing on the breath, even if it's not working all that well. Uh, if you can't, then that's when to turn your attention to the, to the purification, because at this point, the purification is sufficiently insistent that you can turn your attention to it and it won't just fade, right? Um, so, so that's one thing to say. Another thing to say is like uh, in the, in the, in the four-step transition, um, the third step is not that you have your attention on the entire body. It's that your attention is, is uh, restricted to the body. So you're not going to allow your attention to wander outside of the body. It's not that you're trying to keep the whole body in attention. So what you described is actually more like the stage six practice of breathing with the body. It's not exactly that practice, but it's, it's like that practice. And that's not a bad thing, but it's a little different than, than the, third, the, the third step in the four-stage transition. Um, so, and uh, it... You're probably, it's probably more stable for exactly the reason that, that, that uh, breathing with the body is more stable, which is that it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's more difficult. And because it's more difficult, you can actually kind of use it to shut things out. Um, so if, you, if you're able to put, up, put in the effort that's required to keep your attention on the body as a whole, then that's going to be enough to keep the purification from, from really rising to the surface. Um, that doesn't mean that you, that that's success. I mean, it's, I'm not going to say it's either a good or a bad thing. You can, you can evaluate that on your own, but, uh, if you want to get into the purification and get past the purification, uh, then it probably makes sense to just accept that, that the purification is going to make things rough for a while and not try to fix that. Um, but rather just, just, do the practice, you know, so, so if you're experiencing, you know, sort of a, a, a drop to stage two and three or something like that, okay, fine, you're experiencing a drop to stage two and three, do the practices for that stage. If that's really what's happening, make sure that's really what's happening. Um, make sure that it's not just a big gross distraction that you're mistaking for, for forgetting or, or mind wandering, but, but, you know, figure out where you are and, and just do the practice for where you are if it feels like the purification is something that's like become present enough that you can, you can uh, sort of investigate it, then go ahead and investigate it. Don't investigate it in the sense of like trying to, you know, find clues or anything like that. Just turn your attention to it and be like, Hmm, what's happening here? Oh, I see there's some energy there. Oh, I see there's some energy there. Oh, I'm feeling tears. You know, just do that. Like, like don't try to make it anything more than that. Don't try to be analytical. For example, investigate doesn't mean analyze. Um, in this case, but, uh, so does that give you a sense like, do you, does that feel actionable to you? What I just said? Uh, yeah, about the purification, like I can feel the sensations right now, pretty much all mm. the time. Like I can feel subtle tenseness in my face. And if I go deeper into it, uh, more comes up. So is it like, uh, big enough to say, okay, I'm going to sit down and put my attention on this and just what happens and if it goes away i'll go back to attending to the work yeah that you could do that um also if you're feeling actual physical muscular tension as opposed to just energy um you can try relaxing the muscle 
okay. not because so so there's something that's causing the muscle to tense and the 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 intention to relax the muscle won't necessarily succeed in relaxing the muscle but it will potentially allow whatever it is that's tensing the muscle to surface um, so you can explore that and see if you get something out of it okay thank you Hmm. Yeah, what Christoph said is really good at treating the purification like it will be forever there. Um, like, could I, could I be okay with this being here forever? Is, you know, it sounds awful right at first because you're like, no, I don't want this forever. But actually, once you get to the point where you can be like, okay, yes, I can be, if, if this is here forever, I will be okay. That's when it's, that's when you have the most uh, potential to release it. Uh, great advice. Yeah, I've been doing that and I find it kind of relaxing. It's also the same when I start thinking about how long, like how long have I been sitting? I just tell myself uh, 30 seconds. So then I forget about trying to get rid of it. Nice. All right, well, uh, so we don't have any more hands up. Does somebody want to raise their hand? Still have some time. Did I have a quick question about uh, purifications like we've been hearing about today? Mm -hmm. uh, if one of these things is happening, it seems like the way that most people notice this who are doing TMI is that suddenly their, their stable attention practice doesn't function anymore. And they have to do something other than stable attention and they sort of look around for what to do and there's this energetic thing somewhere that they can identify and that slowly becomes clear, becomes clear that that's the, the thing that's going on. Um, let's say you do something that's not a stable attention practice. Um, should the purification still present the same way? Or is it the case that you could switch to like an open awareness practice or a noting practice um, when you have one of these purifications already and the purification would just not be visible anymore? Like, I guess I'm trying to ask like, is it the fact that we're trying to do something sort of willful, uh, like stabilizing attention that's making the purification salient? And in the absence of that, would it, is there any reason to believe that it would not be so salient? So I can't actually answer that question in exactly the way that you asked it because I don't know how this is happening. Um, I can tell you from my own personal experience that um, when a purification comes up, um, if I go to an awareness practice, uh, it does shift the way that I experience whatever the energy is, but um, it can be quite useful because uh, when I'm doing uh, attentional stability practice, there's a tendency to be a little bit um, compressed around whatever's going on. And so going into awareness allows that to expand. It gives you more space. And in that more spacious context, it's easier to sort of untie the knot. Like Christoph was talking about the knot being too tight. It almost feels like that allows it to loosen a little bit. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, it certainly, it certainly can be the case that when you zoom out into, into awareness, and I've had this happen, that I no longer have access to the thing, whatever it is. And you know, if that happens, that's fine. Like, okay, you learn something like now, either I'll wait for it to come back and it may come back this week or it may come back in a year, or uh, you know, it may come right back as soon as I go back to, to following the breath. So you just experiment, don't, 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 like, you know, it would be great if we had a system, right, that where we could say, if you do these things, this will happen, but we really don't have that right now. Maybe it's possible to have that, maybe it's not, I don't know, but we don't have it. So 
So it's really, it's really very experimental and that's just how it is. Thanks, Ed. Sure. Yeah, great topic. I mean, it's, it's funny, we just seem to have landed on purifications today. So does anybody else want to raise anything before we close? We've still got a few minutes. Can you hear me? Yep. Um, I wanted to ask uh, about the hindrances um, because I think that that is something that uh, I was looking at as an option that maybe was keeping things from going in my meditation practice if it wasn't a purification um, and Chuladasa talks about it pretty early in the book. It's between stage one and stage two, so pretty important. Um, how, how are we not focusing on those enough? Do you think it gets kind of left by the side because it's outside of the the, the cushion a lot, or is it just uh, something that is kind of in the background? We try to keep in mind and and work on it uh, as we can. So whether you're, whether you're paying enough attention to it kind of depends on whether you're paying enough attention to it, right? Like what practices are you doing? I mean, if you, we, we've, we've had this theme in the past of talking about the eightfold path versus the onefold path. Uh, TMI really focuses almost exclusively on, on uh, meditation and doesn't really talk too much about the rest of the eightfold path. Um, and the rest of the eightfold path, a lot of it is actually just like techniques for dealing with the hindrances. So, um, so yeah, definitely uh, it's worth trying to figure out a practice. I'm in a, personally in a weird situation with teaching this that I studied under, under Tibetan Buddhism. And so my Tibetan Buddhist teachings on how to deal with the hindrances are really wonderful, but they're very, um, they're very much from a Tibetan perspective and I don't quite know how to teach them from a, sort of a more secular perspective. Um, but, uh, you know, if you look at the, at the teachings in the Vinaya on, you know, just avoiding uh, the 10 negative, uh, the 10 non-virtues um, and doing their opposite, that's a good, that's a good practice. Um, doing the Bodhisattva vows is a really great practice. These are things that Basically, they're just heuristics for how you react when a certain situation comes up, right? Like, um, you know, somebody has something that I want. Well, like the heuristic there is notice that you have this de desire for the thing that that other person has. And just noticing it is probably enough. You probably don't need to do anything. But, um, but just don't be like sucked into this unconscious habit of like desiring what other people have. Don't be sucked into this habit of like, you know, speaking divisively like you know like like when you hear somebody talking about you know donald trump or aoc whichever one it is that that your tribe doesn't like um you know uh like don't get into the mode of like yeah there should be this division like we should fight that other person like get into the mode of like no like we need to come together like like even if i don't know how to make us come together that's what I want the outcome to be. Let's let that be my intention and not divisiveness. You see what I'm saying? So, so they're all, these are all really useful heuristics for just like um, figuring out how to deal with the sort of the, 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 the little impulses that come up during the day, like, like the, the desire to fight this thing that I don't like or the desire to cling to this thing that I do like. Um, and those little heuristics can be really helpful for getting, for getting 
into a frame of mind where the where the uh, the hindrances aren't as big of a problem. Do you think that that we aren't focusing on the hindrances as much, and they cause a lot more? I mean, they literally are hindering a lot more than we we think. Sorry, I, I got a clarifying question. Do you mean like on the cushion or off the cushion? Me or, or Ted? Uh, you. Uh, I'm talking about hindrances um, either on or off the cushion that affect being on the cushion in terms of you're sitting down and you're disturbed by worrying or, ah. or whatever happens to be on your mind yeah that's, so keeping you from progressing so so the thing about all of those hindrances like like when you sit down on the cushion and you're worrying well there's two things to say about that right one is that in a sense that's actually a purification happening right i mean really it is just a purification it's a distraction it's purification it's situational right it's you're worrying because of your reaction to the situation right but but your reaction to the situation is a hindrance and i don't i don't say i don't say it's a hindrance in the sense that it's bad and you should stop doing it that's not how it works but but you know be aware of that that dynamic that that um that uh when stuff comes up when you're on the cushion that's thematic that's about what's going on in life then that's an opportunity to practice like noticing that, that your mind has a tendency to want to work on the problems that you have right now. Um, off the cushion. So like if you're having like some kind of catastrophe happening in your life right now, you can't make the catastrophe not happen. Right. Um, you, you can't like, you know, if somebody, if somebody's sick and they're in the hospital, you can't make them be not sick. Like you're just going to have to wait and see how it comes out. Right. And you know, that's just how it is. So there, um, one of the behaviors that, that you want to maybe work on off the cushion is just noticing yourself reacting to it and seeing if the reaction that you're having is useful or whether it's a waste of time. Um, so like if there's something that's bothering you and you, you have a reaction to it, um, is your reaction actionable? Is there something you can do because of your reaction? If there is, then there's no problem. You just do it, right? Like, and it might be something you don't want to do. So part of what you need to do is like be like, oh, I have to do this. Like this needs to be done. It's not a choice. I don't have a choice about this. That sucks, but that's what it is. That's, that's how things are. I don't have a choice. I should do this. Stop resisting. And then the, the nice thing about stopping resisting in that case is that um, like all of that time that you were spending resisting, you had to do the thing anyway, right? So all of the time that you spent resisting before you did it was just wasted time. And once you stop resisting it and just do it, then the wasted time isn't being wasted anymore. And after a while, you'll notice what a relief it is that you're not wasting that time anymore. So that's a really nice practice to do if, you, if, you, if you're in a situation where you have reluctance to do something you need to do anyway. Just do it. Like, just notice that you're being silly. Like, laugh at yourself for being silly in this way and then just do it, right? The other thing, though, is that a lot of times, you know, the situation is actually not something you can do something about. There's literally nothing you can do, right? 
And then again, there's a tendency to be like, well, but I want to do something. Well, tough shit. There's nothing you can do. Stop worrying about it. Um, and and so, so off the cushion, notice when you're doing that. Notice when you're like having a situation, you can't do anything about it, and you're sitting there worrying about it. Like, how is this going to turn out? You know, like I used to do this thing, uh, my wife, Andrea, like, you know, I love her dearly, and she, she um, you know, she's very important to me, and she would go off, you know, on some drive to Boston, which is a town that's about two hours away, or to, you know, see her friends down in Connecticut or something like that. And the whole time she was away, I would be worrying about whether she was okay, right? Well, what use is that? Either she's okay or she's not. Either I have information or I don't. There's no point in me spending even a moment worrying about whether she's okay. If there's something for me to do, like if she's late, maybe I should call her and see how she is. Like, is she okay? Right? If she's not late, well, why not just go do whatever it was that I was going to be doing today? So, so like noticing, and, and this is very hard to do. Like it was, it was not like I could just suddenly stop doing it. It's, it's not happening at a conscious level, but just noticing it, being aware of these kinds of themes, these kinds of things happening can be really helpful for just like letting them go eventually. Like it doesn't happen immediately, but, but you can let it go. And it, it actually feeds into your meditation practice because of course, when you're on the cushion, all of these things become even more dire, right? Like if they're going to be dire, they become more dire because you're like, you're right there on the cushion. You've got nothing else to do but worry. Yay. So work with that. Make that be the, the, the practice that you're doing for the, for until, until you've dealt with it. You know? Sounds, that make, sounds like yeah. a plan. Just observing. Yeah. 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 Thanks. That was a really uh, good question. We don't talk about that stuff enough. Yeah, it's kind of a lot for the last couple of minutes of our thing. Maybe I'll do a, like a Reddit post um, on that yeah. the forum. Cool. All right. Uh, so we're at 1130. Uh, does anybody have any last thoughts before we close? Uh, yeah, Ted, was there something weird about the emails today? I didn't actually get one. Yes, there was something weird about the emails today. I totally spaced on sending them. <laughs> so you, you, you actually did get one, probably, maybe, uh, like right before the meetup but the link doesn't change from meetup to meetup so no it doesn't it just you can always use the old email hmm. all right i have one question but i'm thinking maybe to leave it for some other time uh, i don't know how uh be of a question it is <laughs> you can you can ask it and we can evaluate if you want okay okay ask quickly so uh i noticed that with uh, progress and practice then uh, um in work, um, it is kind of affecting uh, my, let's say, invention because, or um, let's say, uh, view on situations. Sometimes uh, I, uh, in a work, I'm dealing with the work situation. And then in past, I had like many ideas, like, okay, this is what this guy probably think. This is what could be and so on and so on. Now it's, I would say almost too silent. It's not like completely silent, but I'm kind of worried about it because it's uh, affecting me and my, let's say, ideas and uh, different options. Uh, so I don't know what you think of that. Um, that is a really big topic, and I'd love to I'd love to get into it in, in depth. But I think 
this probably isn't the right thing to talk about right now. So yeah, bring that up again next week. Okay, thank you. Sure, that's a great topic. All right, uh, thanks everyone, and uh, hopefully I'll see you all next week. Thank, thank you. you. We'll be talking about work. Thank you. <laughs>